Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most must-see and must-listen-to soccer podcast in the history of the world. Welcome to Into the Net FC. You all know who I am, so there's no need for me to introduce myself. But let's take a moment and welcome back the one and only, the fiercely opinionated Mr. Josh McSwain. Josh, thank you so much for coming. So ladies and gentlemen, we present to you Into the Nets FC Premier League Awards Ceremony. Thank you. Glad to be on. And ladies and gentlemen, once again, this idea was through the creative ideas of none other than Josh Bacon McSwain. So, Josh, thank you again from the bottom of my heart. You're most welcome. Glad I could come on. We could do this. We got to do this because now the Premier League, they had their own awards. But you know what? We can do better. We can definitely do better here on Internet FC because that was that's what Into the Internet FC is all about. So, without further ado, let's get right to it, Josh. All right, let's get to it. Well, <laughs> honestly, as far as our categories go, I really honestly don't even know where to start. Do you? I guess we should start with the most expected beginning point, which is player of the year. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if there's an argument for that. Yeah, this one, it's sort of tough because, you know, you have that one guy who plays for Man City, the blonde guy, what's his name? He could take home so many awards. It's just like, okay, we're just going to concede this one, and, you know, we're just going to talk about who would be second. I mean, I, yeah, he's talking about Erling Holland, y'all. Yeah, 36 goals in 35 games. You can't take anything away from him. He won the best player of the year as well as best young player of the year. You know, we all know the, the story. But, you know, other than him, now other other than Erling Holland, the debate certainly comes to mind. You know, Marcus Rashford, for one, comes to mind. And speaking of Marcus Rashford, I have to take major responsibility for not having any faith in him whatsoever before the season started. Well, man, I can't blame you for that. Rashford had been really out of form, been hurt a lot. So having doubt about him coming into this year, I think is totally justified. However, my second choice for player of the year is Martin Odegaard, midfielder for Arsenal. He was such a key cog in that team, particularly at the start of the year, but really all throughout the year, just setting up opportunities for Nkeda, Saka, Gabriel Jesus, just really great offensive weapon who catapulted them to a second-place finish. That's why he gets my winning. <laughs> I don't know what to say. But, uh, I mean, you know, some people, so I, I swear to God, some people just say Harry Kane's simply out of, uh, well, I'm not sure exactly what the word would be. Simply out of pity, I think, because... Harry Kane is a tremendous player. He, he has always been. And I can honestly say that, you know, and of course, you know, once again, Harry Kane and Manchester United, blah, 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 blah. We, you and I have already talked about this. We'll believe it when we see it. And of course, if it happens, we'll talk about it. But it, so, yeah, Harry Kane does come to mind. I mean, Harry Kane, again, you know, is, is you know, great. But, but I think Martin Odegaard definitely has to be considered the other guy. Now Rashford, now, Rashford, if you want to put him... Now, honestly, for me, 
if one of our awards is best, you know, comeback player of the year, honestly, without a doubt, that's definitely Rashford. Well, you're jumping the shark a bit, but yeah, he's who I had there too. It's because Rashford, it's because honestly, Rashford, I mean, how many goals did he score? It was, was it at least 30 like overall this year? Yeah, I think he surpassed 30 in all competitions. It's because he did a whole lot better. I mean, what he did, nobody would have thought, could have ever anticipated. I mean, Rashford proved me wrong big time, but the fact of the matter is, I'm happy that he did it. I really Definitely. Am. But, I mean, and honestly, you know, speaking of jumping the, jumping the shark, uh, I mean, Man- Manchester United did a whole lot better than we thought, but we'll get to it, so... Wait. So as far as best player of the of the year, I mean, of course, you know, because overwhelmingly it's Erling Holland. But if there's any guy after that, it's obviously Martin Odegaard. Yeah. Manager of the year. Oh boy, are we talking aside from Pep Guardiola? Truly, I think just overall we can talk about it. I actually don't have Pep taking home this award. You don't have Eric Ten Hag either, do you? Nope. <laughs> I think for me, honestly, aside from those two, it would have to be the manager of Newcastle United. Because when he took over during the ownership change in October of 2021, Newcastle was battling a war to stay away, to stay out of, to avoid regu- uh, relegation. So they went from that... Right to qualify for the Champions League for the first time since 2003. 20 years. So, the man, yeah, the, 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 that basically the manager of the year award has to go to the man that manages Newcastle United. Now, they, I forgot the name off the top of my head, but you all know who I'm talking about. Yeah, Eddie Howe. That's Eddie Howe, like, yes, yes. Yeah, truly, I had Newcastle finishing eighth in the before the season started. They're going to finish third or fourth. Yeah, you can talk about they've just they're another club that's been infused with oil money, which is true, but that's just the way things are now. It's not it certainly is an advantage you can have over some teams, but it's not like they're the only one per se. So yeah, Eddie Howe was my top choice. You gotta give some credit to Roberto De Zerbi at Brighton, who don't know that any of us knew what was going to happen after Graham Potter left, and he made the team even better. <laughs> I mean, Became, Brighton is going to the Europa League. Yes, they are. And honestly, Brighton was a, among the most fun teams to watch in the whole yeah. Premier League this season. They're they just, beat Manchester United twice. Twice. Yes, twice in the Premier League season they did. And then last, I think you got to give honorable mention to Unai Emery. Of course, he didn't manage long enough from fighting relegation to being on the verge of getting into the Europa Conference League. Depends right. on how the final day shakes out with them and Spurs. I mean, Pep obviously did a very good job this year with a very, very talented club. But, I mean, he didn't – I mean, he did what I expected him to do. Yeah. I expected exactly. him to win the Premier League. I expected him to win the Champions League. He hasn't done it yet, but, you know, the fact that all this has come for him, you know, it's not a surprise. So exactly. that's why I didn't have him as my manager of the year. And this is also why we're do- Internet FC is presenting its own version of the Premier League awards because, look, 
Again, this is not to take anything away from Pep. It's just all due respect to Pep. He's not the only guy that made a huge impact. That's all I'm saying. He did great. He's just not the only one who did great. Like what I'm saying is we got to give credit to everybody. Pep can't just keep it all for himself. But again, you know, yeah. And of course, Eric Ten Hag, you know, now Eric Ten Hag, of course, obviously there's been mistakes on his part, but then again, every manager does it. I mean, it, it honestly just proves that he's not perfect. I mean, nobody is. I mean, Sir Alex Ferguson wasn't perfect, but but Eric Ten Hag, I think in my case, has to be, is basically probably the biggest surprise as far as management goes. Now, he did lead Manchester United to winning the first title in over half a decade when they won the, the EFL Cup. Care about it, yeah. Yeah. So Eric Ten Hag, uh, to me, gets the most surprising performance award as far as the manager goes. Now, as far as the player, honestly, that, that one honestly is probably, as far as, you know, surprising player, I mean, that's certainly a, a very, very difficult uh, one to pick. Right. Now, but yeah, I guess back with manager Eric Ten Hag for his first year, I'd give him probably a B plus because on the one hand, there was a ton of nonsense that he had to deal with from Cristiano Ronaldo coming in and just making it all about himself. Obviously, he had to incorporate some new signings. and But I feel like... When you factor in the injuries and the fact that he's gotten the most out of so many guys, like like you said, Marcus Rashford continued oh, yeah. to build with Christian Erickson, has done a lot of good things for Luke Shaw and Aaron Juan Basaka, guys that we thought they might be headed out, but you know, I think they might be staying after all. Now, yeah, I mean, midfielders still probably going to have some change this summer, but you know, I think that's the big. That's, that's the biggest. Uh, that's the biggest thing that the, that the Red Devils have to look at it is the midfield position. Yeah. But so, as far I mean, as the future of Manchester United goes, I mean, Alejandro Garnacho. I mean, th- this dude. Huh, man. Oh yeah, he's filthy. You want to talk? Everybody wants to talk about Erling Haaland, Kylian Mbappe, and you know, all those guys. But you know, I feel like Alejandro Garnacho. By next season, he's going to solidify himself. You know what? Acknowledge me too, buddy. And that's what he's going to tell the world. But, but yeah, you know, but, but to Eric Ten Hag. So, yeah, I mean, so the managers, I mean, you see, this, this is what makes the Premier League so good. I mean, it's hard to really pick who, who really is the best, at, you know, at one's category. So. Definitely. All right. So we're, where to next, Mr. McSwain, sir? My flop of the year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, from an uh, in an overwhelming decision, uh, does that go to Chelsea? Yep yeah, that that was it. <laughs> I mean, where, where where do we start? I mean, what 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 is it? Uh, all the money spent, or the fact that they went through not one, not two, but three managers in a span that went less than ten freaking months. <laughs> Started off with Thomas Tuchel, and then we went to Graham Potter, and now we went back to Frank Lampard. Which, by the way, I thought was like a bad decision from the start, but then again, it's Chelsea. What else would we should we expect? Yeah, I mean, you got to look the next step up at ownership. Todd Bowley, just like, 
I was speechless when they brought Lampard back. It's like, hey, dude, guy who can't keep Everton in safety zone. Yeah, let's bring him in after we fired the guy a couple of years ago and then won the Champions League. I'm just like, what are you doing? But like you said, it's also all the signings. They spent, what, half a billion pounds or something like that on yeah, all those I mean, guys. And yeah. they're like 12. I think, in the Premier League currently. No Europa League, no Champions League, no nothing. And you, you see, and when Frank Lampard came back, okay, people wondered why I didn't bother doing an episode because there's really nothing, there's really, what, what I say about it, it's not even 30 seconds worth of content. It's not even worth the damn effort. I mean, it makes no sense, so it's pointless, so there's no point of making an episode. So that's why I, I never did it. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's something like, it's not even newsworthy to be honest but now as far as Chelsea goes now I'm all I, I remain concerned for our friend Mr. Christian Pulisic because look I want nothing for the best for him but you know the biggest problem with Christian is he can't stay healthy it's true and, and it, it breaks my heart because you know I love the U, the United States men's national team as much as I love the French national team so and with Pulisic, you know, with all the pressure on him, if being him, him being depicted as, you know, the next big, as the next superstar, you know, it's and now it's starting to become, you know, maybe it's, it, I, I mean, I don't know. But look, look, I'll be honest, you know, from a professional standpoint and from somebody that loves the game of soccer, for a guy that just loves the game, doesn't really have a much of, of one-sided loyalty to a club, I don't like seeing Chelsea like this because, again, as I explained, it damages the reputation of the game. You know, of, of course, the Premier League as well. For a team to spend all that money and, and then no success and go go through three managers in less than 10 months. And, and, and we'll never forget to, the Thomas Tuchel versus Antonio Conte confrontation. And, of course, speaking of Conte, he ended up getting the axe too. So, I mean, Tottenham is, is – I mean, Tottenham too is in the mix for biggest flop. But, um, you know, see, the biggest flop too – it took some thinking, but really the, the final answer was really kind of a no-brainer. But believe it or not, this is going to shock people. I even had Arsenal, too, as the biggest flop. And do you know why? Why is that? Because Arsenal was on top for so long, and then finally they copped it up and never took it back. So I felt that Arsenal was big. Arsenal could have won this. They could have won the Premier League had they just, you know, like that. But they didn't do it. So that's a bit of a flop, too. But, you know, but also you, you, you look at it to, to where, like, well, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know what happened to Arsenal, but you know what? They're in the Champions League, so I guess you know, that's really what they wanted at the end of the day. So, yeah. and some Overall, would say maybe it's, Liber maybe it's Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool's also in, in the mix, too. Yeah, when you look at all the injuries that Liverpool had, though, it's just hard for me to say that they were truly a flop. Although you could throw Darwin Nunez. By himself in there as a flop. Well, I guess he, he gets the uh, biggest flop uh, award for player, for, for player flop. I mean, look, Darwin, see, Darwin Nunez is a great player. There's no doubt about it. Now, the injuries bit him as well, but also uh, problems with, with his behavior. Because I think at the beginning of the season, he, he served a suspension, I think, because he, didn't he kick, a, did he kick or, or headbutt a player, I think? Something like that. Yes. Some tomfoolery like that. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if we all lose our tempers. You know, we're all we're all basically angry to the point where you, you just want to, the next person that eyeballs you, you just want to, you know, punch them right in the mouth, which 
doesn't, which really won't help you at all. It'll only make the situation worse. But I get it. Like sometimes the emotions are beyond overwhelming. But look, you know, sometimes you got you got to understand your reputation's at stake. So yeah, but, but I mean, twenty nine Premier League games for Nunez, nine goals. Yeah, and all the money spent as well. I mean, you know, nice. I got. I mean, the fact that Liverpool is not even going to the Champions League. I mean, Mohamed Salah. Now he now he basically now he he expressed his thoughts on social media because because obviously for them not to go to the Champions League I mean it's definitely a, a financial it, it's definitely a financial uh, negative impact and we talked about this like Chelsea for Chelsea it shouldn't be surprised because Chelsea's just bad but for Liverpool Liverpool does not want to be basically in the level where Chelsea is now they want to be a low like them so, so Liverpool honestly has no choice but to bet, but to come back. I mean, Chelsea's the same way, but but I feel like Liverpool's one under tremendous pressure. I mean, Chelsea as well, but but I think we get the point. Right. Yeah. Moving on, game of the year. Oh boy. Well, clearly for Liverpool fans, it's got to be the seven nothing win against Manchester United. <laughs> but. Overall, hmm. Well, some would say Newcastle destroying Tottenham is probably one of them. Definitely something we think of. Uh, I was just trying to think as a neutral observer what was the best game that I saw all year, and it was the January 22nd game between Arsenal and Man U that Arsenal won at the very end. I just yeah. remember being on the edge of my seat that whole game. It was just, you know, really back and forth game. I know that Arsenal in the end had a lot more shots, but in the end, it just, you never felt like United was out of it despite being, you know, not, not as good as Arsenal on that day. You just felt like, you can't, I kind of felt like, United was going to find a way to win. Obviously, they got the lead 1-0. Then Arsenal got the next two. And then United quickly tied it up. And you thought that winner's coming any second for about 30 minutes. And finally, Arsenal got it, I think, at stoppage time. Yeah, it was at stoppage time, yeah. Definitely that one as well. Um, You know... The one, you know, the, the one where, where Conte and Tuchel, you know, had that confrontation. I mean, that one is also coming to mind because of, because of the oh, controversy yeah. surrounding the game. Yeah, Kane got that header right at the last second. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, um, either that or maybe Manchester United versus Manchester City round two. Or I think the, the Red Devils took the win, uh, two to one. Yeah, it was a 2-1 game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I mean... A lot of them as well. So, uh, so yeah, I think the one has to go. It has to be uh, Manchester United versus uh, Arsenal in that one as well. Or or the, the first meeting where Manchester United actually got the win over the Gunners. Uh, they ended the undefeated streak. So, yep. yeah. See, the fact that we're there's so much positivity for Manchester United this season. I mean, normally we're not in that. It's it's nothing like that with Man U. But all of a sudden this season, we, we saw signs of, 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 a, of a new and improved Manchester United. But... Still got to wait and see how things go. I mean, they got to win more titles, but yeah, but I think yeah. the best match has to be Arsenal versus Manchester United right round two. Maybe round, I mean, maybe round one, but you know, again, I mean, there, there's so many matches that come to mind, but if I, if I were to pick one, I have to go with round two because Ars- Arsenal just got the win, you know, right, right at the end. 
So. Right. Yeah. Dramatic finish there. Dramatic finish. But let's yeah. move on to the next one. Best signing of the year. I think this is obvious. I think we got our number one. Well, we Erling. all, yeah, of course. So, after well, again, Erling. folks, aside from Erling Holland, because again, Erling Holland takes this overwhelmingly, but here, again, not to take anything away from Erling, we got to get, we, we got to talk about the other guys too. So, obviously, Erling Holland comes to mind, but let's, let's see who else, you know, also fits the category. My next one was Lissandro Martinez. Yeah. That, I mean, he is was so crucial this season in helping United's defense. He and Varon were a great duo together. And honestly, he is a huge part of the reason that De Gea is winning the Golden Glove. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, the stats are not very kind to De Gea. I think that he is a better player than the stats will indicate. But yeah, the stats are... Not looking too good for DDG these days. Well, but, I mean, yeah, where he is I know that so many career, of the shutouts age, were yeah. because of so many of the shutouts we had were be, clean sheets were because of the defensive row in front of him. So yeah. that's why Martinez gets it for me. Got also mentioned Gabriel Jesus prior to his injury. He was scoring in bunches for Arsenal, so he at least needs to have a shout out. I mean, I, I wish I could put Raheem Sterling as well, but Casemiro, okay, Casemiro, well, Casemiro did great, so Casemiro also has to be, is also in the mix. Also, Christian Eriksen as well, but the, the only issue with Eriksen is the injury, obviously, but aside from the injury, Christian Eriksen did quite well. Unfortunately, Woot Veghorst can is can no longer be nominated because it started off it started off with potential, but it quickly sunk faster than da- than the damn Titanic, which is sad. Now Marcel Sabitzer, the midfielder they got from Bayern Munich. Now Sabitzer, I think, was kind of like you know, it was a basically an up and down kind of thing, but I don't think I can see. Wood Veghorst, along with Marcel Sabitzer, I'm not sure if I see them staying at Old Trafford. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, Veghorst is definitely not going to stay. Sabitzer is a maybe, but Bayern Munich's probably going to say, well, if you want him, it's going to cost you. But now, aside from that, um, look at the other ones as well from these other clubs. Um, You know, I think uh, for Arsenal, I'm not entirely sure. Sh- uh, well, you say Gabriel Jesus, but you know until the injury. But but I'm mean, who else is out there? You know, also that we can think of. <sighs> Dang, just about any player well, on Nottingham well, Forest. New, well, Nunez. Any player on Chelsea. We'll about Nunez already. <laughs> Nunez can't be because again, like you said, nine goals in 29 games, and of course, you know, many games. There was games where he was suspended. So yeah, unfortunately, Nunez is not. It's basically, you know, it's a no-brainer when he says he shouldn't be on the list. Yeah. Maybe Wait, it was Alexander Isak from Newcastle. Wasn't he brought in this summer? Pretty I sure believe so. Yeah, he was a really good player for them this year. Yeah. I but think... I think overall, man, yeah, I think Lissandro Martinez is definitely the best one. But, but look, looking at it... Uh, you know, you look at you look at the, you, you, what we have to understand is you know like a, a lot of these signings you know sometimes you know come as a uh, 
as a bit of a surprise as well. Now, um, and then from the way I, I think about it, you know, you know, like from like that, uh, you know, aside from Lissandro Martinez, you know, who else that you know, uh, Eric Ten Hag, you know, brought in. You know, basically, I, I feel like Lissandro Martinez really at this point, you know, may actually be the best signing. But you know, if if Jesus hadn't been injured, he probably would he probably would have taken the award. It was a decent possibility. And again, this is, this is all aside from Erling Holland. So I mean, obviously, Erling Holland's considered the best signing because of you know, like that. But again, you know, we got we we got to basically go beyond Erling Holland. Right. All right. So next up. Well, we've already kind of talked about bounce-back player of the year. Rashford seems like a unanimous choice. So let's go to best keeper of the year. Mm. Do we go this time aside from David De Gea? Well, I mean... I mean, it's like you said, I mean, a lot of the clean sheets were because of the defense, so it kind of seems to me that, yeah, we definitely have to go aside from David De Gea. Well, I mean, he wouldn't have even been my consideration at all for keeper of the year. I mean, he just had too many howlers that he let in all year. He's not even close. I mean, he's in the middle at best of Premier League keepers anymore. I mean, the 17, I mean, we can't take away the fact that there were 17 clean sheets, but but like you said, I mean, yes. but at, at the end of the day, in, in, in any case, a goalkeeper needs a defense to assist him. I mean... That's part of the game. A goalkeeper, most of the time, a goalkeeper can have the best hands, the best reflexes in the world, but he still needs a strong defense to help him do it. I mean, this is a well-disciplined and teamwork kind of strategy. So, so yeah, again, this is, we're, I, we're not going to take anything from David De Gea. What we're just saying is he did do a good job. We have to give him that. But at the end of the day, is the defense deserve, deserves credit as well. And of course, that's why you know Lissandro Martinez, you know, got credit from us as well. So oh, yeah. now look at the clean sheets. Now Liverpool's Allison, along with Newcastle's Nick uh, Nick Pope, finished tied with fourteen clean sheets all to, uh, bo- both altogether. So yes, Army both says of them. It's, it's got to be either Nick Allison or Nick Pope. But Aaron Ramsdale for Arsenal also has to be, be, be taken into consideration. Okay, as far as Emiliano Martinez goes, you know what? Forget about him. He had his fun already in the, in the, the freaking World Cup. Yeah, but I want to throw out two guys from mid-table clubs that really did great jobs for their teams this year. I want to throw out David Raya from Brentford and Bern Leno at Fulham. I thought Fulham would be in the relegation battle. Now they're going to finish in the top half of the table. Leno has had a great year. Yeah, obviously he didn't have the amount of clean sheets that Nick Pope had. But again, you got to say, great defensive system there at Newcastle was instrumental. I mean, obviously giving Pope his due here because he had a very good season. But that's why I didn't quite consider him. Allison, I did consider him as well. I just think if you look at just all-around metrics, shot-stopping, crosses, and all of it put together. I th- I'm giving it to David Ryan. Maybe it's a bit of a surprise, but, you know, this is my award, and I'm giving it to who I want. There was one game where one particular goalkeeper, now, this was not even a Premier League game, where a particular goalkeeper filled in for and Newcastle United. And that, that's something that we all know very, very well. 
I think Lorius, uh, the German goalkeeper that played in the EFL Cup final against Manchester United, you know, of course, was formerly with Liverpool, of course, that disastrous Champions League back in 2018. Yep. Uh, he did. He, I mean, even though the Newcastle lost two to zero, I mean, he made an, he made a number of fantastic saves against a strong Man U team. So th- that's definitely a surprising moment, you know, in a random game. But again, that game was not Premier League play, although it, it, it was English football, though. So, what? yeah, uh, I think is it Loris Cash Carius or something like that. Carius, something like that. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's so like that. Yeah, it's the German goalkeeper. I mean, he basically bounced around, you know, since he when he was on loan, you know, from Liverpool. I mean, I don't even I don't even know if he's still part of the Liverpool system, but uh, but you know that that particular yeah, Loris Carius, yeah, Loris Carius, th- th- that's who it is. So, you know, for him to have that that moment, you know, when he you know when he started at the goalkeeping position, so you know he had that good moment. So you know, I'm glad that he did. Now he didn't win the title, but still, he had a positive performance that people are still talking about. I mean, we're, I'm talking about it. I can't even stop. You know, I can't even forget about it. How can I? But, right. yeah, but I think, you know, your, your, your choice is, is the good one to go. Now, everybody's asking me about the French goalkeeper, Hugo Lloris. I'm like, well, he's clearly not the goalkeeper that he used to be, but that's because, you know, he's old. He's older now, and, of course, he's more injury prone. But, you know, I think at this point, if, I don't know how much longer he has on his current deal. Part of me says he's just going to finish up the deal, finish his commitment, and then and then retire. Or if Tottenham just decides to let him go and then just give him, you know, just give him the rest of his downward guarantee, just like that, then fine. But Lloris overall is great, but of course, Adidas, of course, now him being far past his prime, you know, of course, you know, it, it's obviously an issue. But but you know, can't say that Lloris did not do did not do well, you know, for the Tottenham Hotspur, but but. It's sad to see that Lloris is basically not not really considered the best goalkeeping right now. But that's because you know that's that that's because he's in his late thirty. He's in his late thirties now. We I mean, we don't even know how much he has left, if he has anything left. Right. <clears throat> Anyways, shall we move on to Defender of the Year? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Let's. All right. My winner of this one is Kieran Trippier, right back for Newcastle. Oh Part yeah. Of that great line back there just very good two-way player as well will also lead the rush and can get on the score sheet every now and then and my second choice would be lewis dunk of brighton great mm-hmm. center back there my second choice would have been arsenal's william saliba and not because he's french but but william saliba who's actually been doing been doing been doing pretty fantastic i think before he came he was with marseille i believe sounds um, right yeah, you know when a French when a French play, I mean, there's been many French players that you know go to the that go to the Premier League. You know, having previously been in the French league, I mean, of course, Thierry Henry, obviously the legendary French player. You know, was at Monaco, and then and then Arsene Wenger went to Arsenal, and then got him, and then of course, you know, Patrice Evra, Olivier Giroud, all also. But Saliba is also you know heavily considered you know a youngster that that could be part of the next French golden generation that could help some hopefully win. Another World Cup, but along with maybe at least one European Championship, which I sincerely hope so, because Saliba is great. But yeah, Kieran Trippier is the is obviously the winner, but you know because Kieran Trippier took a massive risk leaving Atletico Madrid to go play at Newcastle. People would say, why would he leave Atletico Madrid for Newcastle? Because everybody was not convinced that Newcastle was going to be any good in the future. So. Trippier took that risk, and it's worked out well. And he's been playing great, so there's really honestly no argument. 
Now, obviously, we, we already gave an award to Lissandro Martinez, so, you know, we're not going to do what the Premier League did with Erling Holland. So, but yeah, I think, yeah, Karrion Trippier is definitely the guy. Now, Varane could have been, but the problem is with Varane, you know, now I'm having my French accent, the problem with Varane is, you know, he is, is, the, is the injuries. Now, Terrell Malasia as well, you know, the guy's young, so he obviously had some flops, but Terrell Malasia can certainly be like, be that this award winner in the future, but but I think Trippier basically is unanimous decision. Yeah, I'd go with that. Moving on, we got midfielder of the year. For me, obviously, this would have to go to my player of the year, which was Odegaard, and my honorable mention for it was Rodri of Man City. Wow. My midfielder of the year is De Bruyne. Yeah. <laughs> Can't really go wrong with that. <laughs> uh, I mean, not not because he's just an he's a, he's an easy pick. I mean, look, the way that De Bruyne is one of the most unique passers, and he provides the the most unique assists ever. And the way he does that is that he's fully he's more than fully solidified as a team player. He proved himself as a unselfish, solidified, unselfish, and team player a long time ago. But the way he not only makes the assist, but the way he helps create the chances, I mean, that right there is unbelievable. I mean, De Bruyne is, is, also, is, one of those other, is one of those dudes that it doesn't matter whether you're a Manchester United fan, an Arsenal fan, a Chelsea fan, or whatever. You really just basically, there's no hating Kevin De Bruyne. There really isn't. If you don't respect him or recognize the fact that he's a great player, then I'm sorry, then you don't have any respect for the game. You have no knowledge for the game, and you have no respect for the game. Some players, whether they're on the team that you like or not, you can't ignore the fact that they are just that damn good. And Kevin De Bruyne is that damn good. For sure. I mean, again, there's no arguing it. I mean, the same thing goes with Salah. I mean, it doesn't matter who you root for. There's just no denying that he's a damn good player. It's true. Yeah. Again, it's all about... Basically, if because anybody that that respects the game has a unique knowledge of the game, so and you have to solidify yourself to like that. Like you can't just go out there and say, "I know the I know and love the game of soccer." You have to prove it. Soccer is, that, soccer is just it's soccer is just that sport, y'all. Even us who follow the game have to have that disciplined mindset. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. I guess our last position would be forward of the year. Obviously, this one Erling Holland would take. But uh, I guess <laughs> talking for second, I got to go Harry Kane. I feel, you know, it's hard to really try not to have all that sympathy for him. But really, I can't help it because I always say the whole Harry Kane Tottenham experience goes like ends like this. Harry Kane did not fail Tottenham. Tottenham failed him, all right? Now, I can't say that Tottenham did not go out and sign the best players because they did get some good players around him, you know, Hong Ming Son. I mean, honestly, it's the same thing for him. He didn't fail Tottenham. Tottenham failed him. So so for Harry Kane, you know, for like that, it's obviously you kind of go like that now. I wish I could – I'll be honest with you. I wish I could say it's Christian Pulisic, but – now we're really seriously talking about a heartbreak because it breaks our heart, you and I, that Pulisic can't stay healthy. And every time he's on the pitch, 
we're always on our knees praying to God that he doesn't get hurt again because he's just that he's a player that can get hurt all of a sudden. He comes back and he's out again for like two freaking months. I mean, it's happened before and it's it's frustrating. I mean, you just want to punch the wall when that happens, but but for Harry Kane, really honestly, it would be bad on us if we didn't give him anything because Tottenham gave him nothing. So we, we can't do the same as say that the club has done to him. But again, I am dead serious when I say he's not the one who failed the club. The club failed him. But again, everybody, everybody's still asking me about the whole thing with Manchester United. Look, guys, this is this has happened for like, I mean, this is the whole this is the same thing with killing Mbappe and Real Madrid. I mean, everybody's tired of hearing it. It's it's a rumor that that swirls around for a while. It dies. It's basically gone for a while, and it comes back. I mean, then all of a sudden, briefly, there was Neymar to Manchester United, which was honestly, obviously fake news. But then again, name okay. If Eric Ten Hag basically could not deal with Cristiano Ronaldo, there's no way he's going to deal with with Neymar. I mean, Neymar is the last resort. We can't. They can't deal with another massive ego. But but yeah. But if if Harry if Harry Kane goes, I mean comes to Old Trafford, there's going to be a lot of things to do, but honestly, I don't think he should go because they got to build around the, the newer guys. They got to build around Garnacho because I feel like if Kane goes to Manchester United, Garnacho is going to be held back. But last thing I say about Harry Kane is, yeah, aside from Erling Holland, he probably has to be the, the best striker of the year. Right. But of course, there's also Callum uh, Wilson also for Newcastle United. That's, that's to come to mind as well. So Potentially. Now you know because I you know because I've got some notes right here. You know the be- the best scorer. You know you know Ivan Ivan Tony. You know also you know speaking of Tony, I mean didn't he recently get punished? You know for some sort of a gambling yep. thing? Yeah, eight I mean, months. Eight, eight months. months I mean, <clears throat> I think had a you know actually had one hat trick against Leeds United. So uh, like that, but you know you look at the top the top scores. I mean Harry Kane with twenty eight goals. You know that's eight that's eight less eight less than. Uh, you know, than Erling Holland, so you know, and he had he had basically about nine goals more than Mohamed Salah, so yeah, so Harry Kane really is unanimous decision aside from you know Holland, of course. And, you know, speaking of hat tricks, I mean, when Hong Ming Son had that one against Leicester City, I mean that that was a that was a thing of beauty. It was. Yeah. Well, I well, guess. Do you have any more awards you want to give out? Well, honestly, it's an award that Manchester United, honestly, they earned themselves because <laughs> because everybody, you know, all those Liverpool fans, you know, you know, there's this debate like, you know, Liverpool destroyed Manchester United 7-0, to zero, but I kind of feel like the question is, did Manchester United get the last laugh? Because, because Manchester United, they're the ones going to the Champions League while Liverpool is not. Now, I did say on this show, because I know that you listened to it, that Manchester United doesn't really have anything. The supporters have really nothing to brag about because as of late, Liverpool, they're the ones that have been winning more titles lately. I mean, the FA Cup, the FL Cup last year, they went to the Champions League final, and they won it, of course, in 2019. So I just said Manchester United can enjoy this for the time being, but one way or the other, Liverpool is going to come back, and they're, they're going to come back strong. So Manchester United can enjoy the moment for now, but... But I think for now, Manchester United finishing above Liverpool is certainly something huge for them. So that, that's a bit of an award that they, get, that they earned themselves. So that's all I got to say about that. As far as Chelsea goes, well, 
blames on them. And, you know, honestly, the future, I, have, I don't even know what to say because there's, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what Chelsea goes from here. I, I just only hope that if Christian Pulisic can leave the club and go somewhere and we can hopefully stay healthy and do well, I mean, that, that, that's all I hope for, honestly, as far as Christian goes. But Right. But moving forward, I mean, every club is going to have to address the issues that they need to do. Like, you know, they're going to have to make the, the proper investments, but they got to make the investments that's actually going to help the club, not basically a PR stunt. Like, don't do the same BS that PSG does. Right. Yeah. But again, I'm telling everybody, Harry Kane and Manchester United, it shouldn't happen because I don't. I really don't think Manchester United needs to, needs to bother with them. I mean, they need somebody with a future. They need somebody that's young, that can be groomed, you know, for future, for years to come. They can't get a player that's, that, that's if he's not in his 30s already, he's about to be. I'm not saying that Harry Kane's career is finished, but we need somebody with a future, you know. Harry Kane, I mean, probably has a few more years left, but bottom line is they need to go with the youngster rather than the dude that's been around for a long time. Yeah, I've kind of had some mixed feelings about that. For me, I think that Kane plays a style in which he could age well. Even if he doesn't have that electric pace that other strikers have anymore, he still is technical enough with his feet that he could become a striker that can move in and out and perhaps drop back a little bit and set up guys that would be able to run in like Rashford or Garanacho going forward. So if you had him as your center forward coming into next year, if Ten Hag is able to switch to a, the 4-3-3 that he prefers, or even if you want to keep the 4-2-3-1 formation I think, regardless, Kane would find a way to fit in. And, yeah, he. I still think he's got two or three more years left at top level before he starts to tail off. But as, as that could as, potentially as as get Harry us some Kane, competitive sorry, years now. For now, we could be competitive, and I don't know if it would be enough to challenge for the title. Now, we would need some more pieces, I think at United to be able to challenge for the title other than just Kane. Yeah. But, yeah, I think midfield, it's it could be a about. win, something where you could win now, and hopefully they'll know who they're going to have long-term at the position soon. Hopefully there's a young guy they can bring in, and, and he'll be that guy going forward. I am interested to see how they handle Rashford and Garanacho. Both seem to like playing out of the left flank a little bit more. I don't know if one of them is going to move to the right or how that'll work. Of course, you've got Anthony over there. It's going to be many questions. I don't know if you want to move Rashford back to the center forward spot. If that's what you feel like is best, there's... Certainly going to be questions that United will have to address in the offseason. Definitely, I mean, in the midfield position. But as long as the – if Harry Kane, again, if he does miraculously arrive at Old Trafford, as long as he's not holding back the likes of Garnacho and Rashford and it's not causing problems with those two along with Anthony, if Eric Ten Hag has a plan, then then I guess give, give it a shot. But, but again, you know, this whole thing with uh, Harry Kane – I don't think it's going to happen, but if it does, I'll believe it when I see it. When it does, obviously, 
Josh and I will be here to talk about it. I bet, and, and that's yeah, all I got to say about that. Well, I think that we've wrapped up anything. Josh, do you have anything to say before I close out the show today? Well, I guess I just want to throw in a little bit about Sunday's games. Obviously, they're all 10 going on at the same time. Got a relegation battle, which is the most interesting part of the day. You've got Everton at 33 points, currently in safety. You've got Leeds and Leicester, both at 31. Leicester, obviously, they need a win to stay alive. They're going to be hosting West Ham, a team that secured their own safety. But Leicester, based on goal difference, if they get a win, they pretty much are good as long as Everton doesn't get a win. Everton will be hosting Bournemouth, and Leeds will be hosting Spurs. Spurs still could get into the Europa Conference League if results bend their way, but I think that team, like, I feel like they threw in the towel weeks ago. So it wouldn't surprise me if Leeds were actually to win that game because, you know, this game is so much more meaningful for Leeds, and I think it'd be... Heck of a story if Sam Allardyce actually managed to save Leeds this time because that Leeds team has been rough to watch this year. Definitely. I still think, ultimately, Everton will stay up, but it wouldn't shock me if they didn't. I'll just leave it at that. Well, it's going to be uh, an interesting week, and we'll see how, how it closes out. But ladies and gentlemen, Into the Net FC is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. So please be sure to hit the subscribe button, and please be sure to hit that notification bell. That way you do not miss out on any upcoming exciting content. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very, very much for being on here with us today. Josh, thank you for very much for coming back, and I cannot wait to have you on again soon, my friend. Definitely. Great to be here. All right. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see y'all next time.